The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! <laughs> you think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? <laughs> well, I must have never been paying attention. Alrighty, let's get this show on the road, shall we? A little late again today. This is the good good thing about doing a podcast over radio. You do radio at 2 o'clock, you're on the air. It doesn't matter what kind of technical problems you're having. It doesn't matter what's going on. You're screwed. You're just, you're on. 2 o'clock, hard break, you're on the air after the news. Podcast, you can kind of do whatever you want. And since most people don't even watch the show live, uh, most people actually download it. Uh, we get we, When I get the... Um, the ratings for the show, I'm always blown away that we have like 10 times as many people listening to the audio of this podcast on Podbean, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes, than actually watch it on Facebook. And so I was very surprised when I read the Boston Globe two Sundays ago, and they referenced my show because we had uh, Joe Solomon here, the Methuen police chief, and of course they were excoriating him. And they quoted him from my show, and they, and they called Paying Attention a Facebook podcast. So I, I certainly understand how people who watch us on Facebook think this is a Facebook podcast, but it's not. This is an audio podcast that you can download on any audio podcast platform. And if we get like 3,000 people watch this on Facebook, you can guarantee that 15,000 people have downloaded the audio and listened to it when they were running, when they were in their car or whatever. So um, keep that in mind. I'll always post the, uh, the link on Facebook for those of you who think this is just a Facebook show. Um, the, the benefit is we have audio and video on this show. We're kind of like breaking, we're pioneers in, in this new podcast medium. And uh, I was hoping I'd be a millionaire by now, but I'm, I'm still scraping up pennies to pay my electric bill. So <laughs> anybody that wants to help out, there's always a way you can do that. You can always volunteer. Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, I top two guys smoke shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. I um, want to thank our fine sponsors. Uh, my, my laptop's not working, so I'm actually using a backup laptop, thanks to Ben. Um, so as soon as my laptop uh, actually does boot up, um, I will tell you who the sponsors are. But you can see them on the screen up out front. Uh, I want to thank uh, Climate Buddy Thomas from Climate Design Systems and Nina. He's going to be here next week with the mayor. That's going to be a lot of fun. I've been trying to marry those two a little bit. There's a lot of work they can do together. There's a lot of things they can help each other. And Climate Design Systems is a Methuen business. So, um, you know, anytime I can get a Methuen business and, and help them get some business, that's really why we started the paper. We wanted to help small businesses. And speaking of small businesses, sitting to my left, to your right, uh, is a small business owner, Joe, Joe, Joe Silverio. Joe Silverio, thank you. <laughs> I normally have that on my laptop in front of me, but I'm using a backup. Uh, Joe Silverio from Four Star Lighting and Electric. Yes. And I just want to let you know, this is just not all about lighting. He does all kinds of electrical work. In fact, we might be calling you. Um, I've got uh, I've got two 
uh, ceiling fans that, that don't work anymore. I need somebody to come in and just fix it for me. So we, we might be using you for that. It'd be a small job, but at least I'll have my ceiling fans will finally be working. Um, lots of stuff to get to today. We're going to have Ryan DeZoglio is going to be zooming in. Right, a new, a new, um, a new uh, adjective. Zooming in is that an adverb? What is that? I don't even know. Um, he's going to be talking about the Methuen School Committee meeting this week, where they decided to roll back the time for schools to start, and also to talk about his new policy that he got passed by one vote um, to stop administrators from politicking using. Uh, school department emails, school department uh, website, school department property. And it's amazing that he only got it done by one vote. I was so shocked that we have at least two Karens on the Methuen School Committee. <laughs> one of them, Halbauer, and the other one is, it'll come to me, um, it'll come to me. Uh, but there's two on the Methuen School Committee that voted no, and you could tell by their comments, they didn't care. They don't give two craps about teachers uh, uh, politicking on school time. They actually like it. They made it perfectly clear through their comments that they actually like it. And they didn't want to tie the hands of the administrators. They made all kinds of excuses, but when they were done, it was obvious what they wanted. They want, and they're both, by the way, I've looked into both of these two. They're both very left-wing people. One of them is a principal. I think it's Halbauer, but it might be the other one. Is a principal in Lawrence, which should tell you everything you need to know. That should tell you all you need to know about these two. So I'm, I'm a, I was a little surprised that we got two Karens on the Methuen School Committee. Also voting against his measure was, no surprise, Susan Nicholson, who, in my opinion, she might be a nice lady. Please don't email me and say she's nice. They're two different things. I'm not talking about how nice she is. I'm talking about the fact that since she's gotten on the school committee in Methuen, the only thing she's given a shit about is protecting the insiders. And she was one of the people that did not want to investigate the Judy Scandal situation. She's one of the people that wanted to let Judy Scandal walk out the door of the golden parachute. And she voted to let her walk out the door of the golden parachute. Uh, so you've got three members who care more about faculty than kids, and you've got f the other four members care more about kids than faculty, and that's how the vote went. So we're going to talk to Ryan about about that whole thing, and I, I, I brought up the other two school board members before he called in because that would make him nervous, and you know, these politicians are always worried about what their colleagues are going to think of them if you say something bad about them in front of them, so I didn't want to put them in that position. Before we get to uh, to any any stuff, Joe, what's going on? How's business going with four style lighting and electric? We're doing very very well. I like that you you throw that and electric in there. Well, you were gonna punch me last time you were here because I didn't say electric <laughs> and people thought it was all about lighting. So well, that's what they thought. They thought, oh, you put lights, you sell lights. I got right. phone calls. Hey, can I come pick out a light? We don't sell lights. Oh, I'm right. sorry, right. Uh, but we'll put anything that you have up or anything you purchase, or we'll steer you in that right direction. Uh, but we do everything, every type of uh, electrical work. Uh, but business is good. Uh, it's been a great summer. Um, starting back, you know, we talked about this a couple times back when the uh, pandemic hit. Uh, it slowed down quite a bit. And uh, we just, you know, since about June, things have just picked up, picked up. Uh, we've expanded a little bit and uh, we've got quite a bit of work out of the Valley Patriot, which I have to say, I know that's a, a plug for you, but well, I appreciate uh, it. I have to tell you that it um, it's working very, very well. Because a lot us. of people advertise with us, even even if it doesn't work because they like us. So it's always good to have somebody advertise with us because it works. No, but I don't like you. I just oh, like that's advertising good. That's, with you. That's, that's perfect. All, you know? That's going to get you more business than anything. <laughs> Most of the people who follow me don't like me, and that's okay, too. Every year when I do my charity bash, people think I'm joking. When I get up to the microphone every year, I look out into the audience. There's 550 people, and I look, and I, I count at least one-third of the people in that room 
hate my guts, but they're there because they want to support one of the cops that we're giving an award to or one of the scholarship kids we're giving money to. And I always get to the microphone and go, I want to thank everybody who's here, especially the one-third of you who hate my guts and won't even say hi to me on your way out the door. I want to thank you guys especially. And everyone laughs like it's a, like it's a punchline. It's not a punchline. The, because <laughs> I'm able to put aside my personal feelings for other people to get stuff done, there's a lot of other people that feel the same way. And even though literally they will not say, there are people who come to my bash that literally won't say hi to me when I see them in, in like Dunkin' really? Donuts. Yeah. I'm like, hey, Bill, how you doing? And he just walks right over. And then three months later, he's at my charity bash, you know, throwing $100 into the scholarship fund or, or whatever. And I think it's a good testament to what we do, the product that we put out um, and, uh, and what we do here on the show. Um, I'm glad that you're doing well. We're not doing as well. Uh, we carried, we carried uh, most of our advertisers through COVID. Um, and now we're trying to, we're, we're just trying to pay bill. We, we used up all our savings to print a paper through COVID with no money coming in. Mm-hmm. And so now we're kind of like behind the eight ball. And so we're looking for new advertisers. We're always looking for sponsors of this program. It's $50 a week, 200 a month. Um, and we'll put your uh, thing on the front. We'll put your logo and your number on the front of the news desk. We'll talk about you through the show. We'll throw up stuff for social media. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad it actually does work. It, does. For you. it yeah. is working. And I, I, and I appreciate that. And I, I Things will look up for you. I, I have a feeling that it, we're going to keep moving in a positive I'm, direction. I'm hoping. I'm hoping because we were just we were just finally starting to like break through that glass ceiling when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. After 16 years, I was like, you know what? We're actually starting to break out now. I can actually start paying myself. And then COVID hit, and I was like, you got to be kidding me! A week before the bash, a week before the bash. And I was telling everybody, look, we're doing a bash anyway. I don't care COVID. I don't care swine flu. I couldn't care less. We're doing it anyway. And then the venue called and said, yeah, not so fast. Really? They, mm-hmm. they were like, we can't get anybody to work it. We can't get any bartenders. There's just nothing we can do. So um, we are going to have one next year, hopefully, if COVID doesn't come back. Um, have, you, have, you, have you noticed, like, since COVID hit and things died down and now things are coming back, have you noticed, like, a huge spike or is it coming back gradually? So what I've noticed is that people in general in the beginning were very, very nervous, obviously, and it was very, very slow. But what's happening now is – People are saying, I just want to get stuff done. I want to get it done. And I've also noticed that a lot of the people that we go to their homes, they're not really asking, hey, can you wear a mask? Because everybody's, we're fitted up. If someone wants gloves, masks, you name it. But people in general, and, and this is no way to diminish the pandemic, but I think people are feeling a little bit more comfortable as more and more time goes on. Mm-hmm. So what they've done is you know, said, hey, I'm, I, you know, I'm done waiting to get this done, or hey, I, I, I want to change that light, or I want to change some ceiling fans, or I want to get on with my project. And they're home. A lot of them are still home. With school starting in the next couple of weeks, you know, we'll see what happens. we got to get you in with Neil Perry, because I bet, I bet Methuen's got a lot of lighting and electrical needs. I did meet him last time. I, I enjoyed talking with him. He's, he's, a, um, he's a gentleman. He's a super guy, mm-hmm. and what frustrates me because I don't look at everything through the lens of politics because like we all have real lives outside of this business. And, and what frustrates me is when people start attacking his integrity. It's like, look, you can disagree with him on issues. You can disagree with him on his budget or the way he's handling the police. But don't, don't impugn his, his integrity. The guy's doing what he thinks is right. He's, he's not a typical politician. He's not looking to run for Senate someday. He's not looking for higher office. He ran for mayor because he saw what was going on in Methuen. He didn't like it. And he thought maybe he could make a difference. And I think he is making a difference. I think the fact that he got his, his budget through, I think it was six to one or seven to one, maybe, maybe it was eight to one or eight to two, but it was a majority of the city councilors who've been ripping the crap out of him for, for almost a year. And then on the big stuff, they voted, they, 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 they supported his budget. So I, I think it's going to be smooth sailing a little smoother, at least for him for the next year and a half. 
Uh, he'll be here next week, and we'll have uh, Buddy Thomas with him. A um, couple of things I wanted to get to. Um, I, I know this is going to anger almost everybody listening, um, especially given the comments I've seen on Facebook when I posted this story. This is a guy in Newburyport. His name is Danny Kane. Now, in full disclosure, I know Danny Kane. I've known him since I was a kid. He used to hang around with my cousin, Bobby Patnod. And uh, I always got along with him good. He's always, ha- he's always had problems. He's always had issues. Um, he's a laborer, and we actually have a very good mutual friend, Mike Gagliotti, at the local laborers union, Local 175. So I see this news story come up that they arrested Danny Kane in Newburyport for making racial comments. No, not surprised he's making racial comments because I know him. He feels a little differently about different races of people than I do, and that's his right under the Constitution. And as much as I disagree with what he's accused of doing, he's accused of using the N-word against a a woman and her daughter, her young daughter. I guess she was a kid. Um, What I'm confused about, though, is how the Newburyport Police Department, and again, everyone knows I'm pro-cop, right? I'm I'm the the guy that's with the cops, even sometimes if they might be wrong, I give them the benefit of the doubt. But on this one, it just, it spins my head that a that a police department went out of their way to arrest somebody because they didn't like what he said. We still have a first friggin' amendment in this country. And if you want to hate black people and you want to go around telling people that you hate black people and you want to use the N-word, that's still your right under the Constitution. I'm not saying I agree with what he said. I'm not saying that I share his, his, his views on black people. But here's what I can tell you. Shame on the Newburyport Police Department for twisting the law and finding a way to arrest this guy because they didn't like what he said in this, in this political climate of, of anti-racism. And I, 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 I hope he can get himself a good lawyer. I was kind of hoping Peter Caruso, who's a, one of the top First Amendment attorneys, he represents me, was gonna was would reach out to him and represent him for free, because no matter what you can say about this guy, and I'm sure there's plenty of people who can. First of all, for them to complain that this guy called them names is crazy, mm-hmm. because given given Danny Kane's background, if they pissed him off, he's lucky they didn't. They're lucky he didn't kill them. He, they're lucky he didn't like you know pop the woman in the mouth. I'm not saying I I, I advocate that. I'm just saying that they're lucky. Because I know the guy. And again, I've always liked him. I've had, never had any problems with him. We disagree on some things. He was very good to my cousin Bobby. Always knew him growing up. Knew he, he always knew he had some issues. Um, but, but he's always a guy that actually has continued to try anyway. And regardless of what you think of what he said, there is no police department in this country that should ever be arresting somebody because they made a, quote, racial comment to someone. I don't care what it is. If we start going down that road the definition of racism continues to change and what people can people what dumb people consider racism continues to change there are some people who call me racist on facebook because i believe we should build a wall and deport all the illegal aliens who are here they think that's racist so what happens if that's considered racist can should the cops knock on my door if i post that on facebook that's england that's that's germany that's that's ireland you know, there are people in Ireland, there are people in, in England right now who are in prison for what they posted on Facebook. They don't have a First Amendment. We do. And I don't know how you feel about this, Joe, but I mean, I, 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 I was hesitant to take this on publicly because the guy made some racist comments, allegedly, and he probably did. And, and just saying for the sake of argument, maybe that he did, it's very hard to defend somebody who's a racist, but even racists have rights. 
And I don't know how you feel about that, but so happy I, to hear you. I read thoughts. the article, and, and what it had said was that the uh, he was arrested. One of the charges was disorderly conduct, and they said that um, that was one of the charges why he got arrested. My whole thing is this: is the precedent that this sets. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't agree with if he if he said what he said. I don't agree with that at all. But the precedent that it says, and I, I understand how everybody's a little bit on edge given the climate that we're in right now. But if you start doing this. When, where's it going to end? Right. That's my question. It's a slippery slope for sure. Exactly. And again, I don't know the man, if he did say those things or he didn't say those things. I don't agree with it if he did do that. But my point is, is your First Amendment, no matter what you do, is protected. Right. And, that's and, it. and what's scary is how many people came on my page and said, even my friend Santiago Reyes Cruz, who's been on the show, said, well, I'm, well, I'm so glad they locked this guy up. Maybe this will set a precedent. Maybe people will think twice about doing this in the future. And I thought, wow, these people have no idea what the First Amendment is. They, they just don't. I mean, there are people who go on Facebook and say, my father was was police officer killed in the line of duty. And, and, and I'll be on Facebook arguing with them about some political view, and they'll say, well, your father deserved what he got, and they start attacking my dead father. I, I would never even entertain the idea of calling the police and saying, arrest that person. Because they attacked my dead father. Like, there's no, there's no speech that's over the line that you should arrest somebody for, with the exception of yelling, fire in a crowded theater, or the president's coming by and someone yells in a crowd, kill the president, or a call to violence. If it's a call to violence, that's one thing. But saying something people don't like, that's, it's the First Amendment. That's the reason it's the first one. And if we start silencing people because we don't like what they say, well, what does that end? We become China. That's what scares me. Yeah. You know? Again, I don't know what he said, and, and he may have. He may have said he, something. Apparently, he said, I hate effing, and then the Ed word. I mean. But that's what he's being alleged to say. And quite frankly, he probably said it. Knowing the way that I do, he, he probably mm-hmm. said it. Mm-hmm. And again, he has the right to hate black people. I'm not saying it's right. Mm-hmm. So he has that right. People have the right to hate me because I'm white. I don't like it. It's racist, but they have that right. And people come on my page every day and call me a racist because I'm white. You're white. That, of course you feel that way. You're white, and therefore you're a racist. Well, that's, that's fine, but the police should never be. The government should never be involved in that. That's just, that's just insanity. I thought they were there to protect your rights. Right. Exactly correct. Mm-hmm. But the police found a way because of, this, this, because of the racial hysteria that's going on in this country they charged him with disorderly conduct. Now, I spoke with a police officer yesterday, and I said, if that was you and you were the police officer investigating it, what would you do? He said, I would summons him. I wouldn't charge him. I would summons him into court for disorderly because it didn't happen in my presence. Mm-hmm. And under mass state law, if it doesn't happen in your presence and someone alleges that they were threatened or someone alleges that someone intimidated or harassed them, you can't arrest them because it didn't happen in your presence and people lie. So this is what my police friend, policeman friend said to me yesterday. He said, I don't know how the Newburyport cops got away with that. Hmm. However, he also followed up with, but the judge in Newburyport is so batshit crazy left-wing <laughs> liberal that he might actually end up going to jail for this. Wow. So we're going to watch this case very closely. I don't, I, I don't know how my, my, my normal followers on Facebook feel about it. Most of the, uh, most of the comments that I got yesterday were... Uh, on the side of arresting the guy because it's racism. And look, it, it's, it's easy to be against racism. That's the, that, that doesn't take any courage at all. I'm against racism. Well, we're all against, well, most of us are against racism, not all of us apparently, but most of us are against racism. But the police should never be involved in that. And, and really, 
I don't even think Facebook should be involved in that. No. no. I, th- I think England's got it wrong. They put people in prison for saying things that are racist. So racists never say anything out loud, and you don't know who the racists are among you. If you have free speech and people are walking around and they want to v- express their racist views, at least we know who that person is, and we could choose not to do business with them. We could choose not to be their friend. We could choose not to talk to them. And I think it just drives it underground. I think after World War II, Germany and 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 Western Europe just got it wrong. They got it wrong. There should be no such thing as hate speech laws. They should they just shouldn't exist. Let people who are racist spew their racism so we know who they are and we can avoid them or, or, or take appropriate action. That's all. We can make the choice not to right? have them in our lives. I can't believe we agree on stuff. Yeah, but I have to say that I I, I will say that um, I I don't um, I don't condone what he did. Or allegedly did, but I just I worry about down the line. That's right. what scares me about. Right. It. That's all. Right, because like I said, I'm I'm for building a wall. If they consider that racist, the cops going to be knocking on my door next. That's just not right. On the line, do we have him on the line? There he is. We've got uh, Ryan Desaglio. Who would have thought? Who would have thought in the last election that Ryan Desaglio would be the voice of reason on the school committee? And his brother, believe it or not would be the voice of reason on the city council. I mean, holy crap, did you guys surprise us, Ryan? Good job. Hi, everybody. Hey, Joe, how you been? I'm doing well, Ryan. How you doing? Good, good, good. Glad to see you. Good to see you. He asked me when he came in, he said, you know, I was hoping Ryan would come in today. I like that guy. I said, he's Skyping in. He's going to zoom in. There so you go. Glad to have him. <laughs> I was, I, again, Tom, I, I think it's amazing. In the four years, the five years I've known you, it's in the last six months I've been on your show like three, four times when previously I have never been on your show. Right. He's got nobody else. That's why. So you no. understand that, right? I was going right? to say, are you running out of slots? <laughs> Actually, the real, the real answer to that is you're getting things done. And I had your brother on two weeks ago because he's getting things done. And friend or foe, whether I supported someone or I don't, if you're getting things done, I want you on the show. I want people to know what's going on. Who are the, By the way, who are the two... Uh, I remembered Hallbauer's name, but I can't remember the other one's name that voted against, besides Susan Nicholson, that voted against your proposal. Uh, it was committee member C- McLeod. McLeod. So it's McLeod and Hallbauer that are the two Karens on the on the school committee in Methuen, <laughs> who who wanted to who wanted administrators to be able to email kids about Black Lives Matter without their parents knowing about it. Um, you you had this for a second reading. Were you surprised that you had three members voting no on this? Um, no. Oh, so you saw this coming. I, I saw it coming. Yeah. And was that because you talked to them earlier or because you know that all three of them are left-wing lunatics? Uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I, I, I will not say that, like, I'm not saying they're left-wing lunatics. No, of course I, you didn't. Um, I did. I, but no, you'll get blamed for uh, it. Wait, I, think, I think everybody has their opinion of how school committees should operate mm-hmm. or what they do as administrators. But again, I'm not speaking on behalf of them, and right. they have their right to their opinion. Sure. Um, as you just said on your show, everybody has the First Amendment right to speak their opinion yep. and and vote the way they want to vote. Mm-hmm. So I I don't hold offense to them, um, but as you saw, I I stuck to my side in saying that parents have the right to know, especially. And the mayor made a great point that night. He goes, this is a small little portion that we're kind of managing now. It's unsanctioned city and school events. Right. So it's not even sponsored by the city or 
by the school. So why, to my knowledge, and again, I'm not, I cannot speak of why the, this, this vote occurred due to the fact of, I do not want to push myself into legal terms, but administrators, teachers, or staff should be sending emails when it regards to events that don't include the school's sponsoring or city sponsoring to parents. I don't, I've never heard that, that that's not the way you should be doing it. And so we, and again, it's a small little policy and, um, and the mayor made a great point. I, I appreciate the mayor defending that and Jane, uh, vice chair patch also defending it. It's Jaina. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was not a surprise to me. I understand, but I think a lot of people don't understand that school committee does have um, power when it comes to policy and because it hasn't really been done in years in Methuen um, member McLeod actually made a good point she goes we have policies from 1976 and, and again it was getting late and we kind of just wanted we, it, it wasn't need for any more of an argument but the reason why it's it haven't been updated because school committee hasn't had really subcommittees to update policy or get the time to do policy. Um, so I'm actually going in right now. I, I'm actually going to reach out to part of our staff to actually look at all our internet policies because they, they overlapping. And we found out that there's like four internet policies right now at Methuen public or something like that, that are just continuously overlapping each other. So I'm going to be going through that um, hopefully this weekend um, and, and check with the state guidelines that they have for schools and internet policy and kind of try to fix it and then submit it. Um, and hopefully we can merge everything together and make it one big, nice policy. So this grew out of the principal Bartlett situation. And I found it I can't talk about that. That's okay. I can. <laughs> why, why can't, by the way, why can't you talk about that? Uh, because it, it could turn into a legal issue. If you if you talk about a public issue that has to do with a public administrator, you could can. Be an I can't. I can't say comment. I'm not going to say comment. Is, right. is there some kind of lawsuit been been filed that we don't know about? No, no. I just don't want to. I okay. just don't. All right, that's I fine. Don't, I don't um, want. I don't know. I don't know. As you watched the meeting the other night when people started bringing it up, mm -hmm. I said, "Don't tread waters." Again, I have, I have nothing but good things to say about our principals. I think people, uh, and again, people make mistakes and we are correcting it and it's fine. Mm -hmm. And I just think it just needed to be changed. And that's so on Tom. So uh, you can't talk about it, but I can. So this grew out of the, the principal Bartlett situation where he sent an email to students, not, not their parents, just the students, notifying them of a Black Lives Rally, Black Lives Matter rally. Uh, and you brought up a good point. It was a point that I've been making on the show since that happened. You know, what if he was sending them an email about going to a Donald Trump rally? It's just politics, and, and no administrator, no teacher, no faculty member should be engaging in politics with city computers and city emails with the city school list of students, especially if it doesn't get CC'd to the parents. And I found it very interesting that um, um, school committee member McLeod um, was, was all for that. Like, she was all for it. And, and she one of her quotes was, uh, she was going to vote no because she didn't want to memorialize what one of the administrators had done. Uh, in other words, she didn't want to give credence to the criticism of what this administrator had done and remove what a nice guy he is and remove what a great job he might be doing. 
But what he did here does need to be corrected. And thank God we had Jane Zanny Pesci there to say, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't to knock Principal Barter. Um, it's, it's to correct the situation. And there are many times when school faculty members do something and they look at the policy and say, yeah, we need to change one of the policies to stop that from happening, right? I, yeah, and I agree. And, and, and again, I, I don't want to speak on behalf of um, member com, uh, committee, committee member McLeod about what she was. I, I understand what she's trying to say. Um, one of her quotes was, we, we, we fix policy through practice. But to me, as someone that was an athlete, you get taught like football, you get taught how to tackle and stuff like that. But that's through procedure and, and coaching and following directions. If there is no directions, then how can you do it right? right. So with this policy in place, everybody cannot say, I didn't know. Right. And that's across the board. That goes all the way up to the superintendent too. So, and it's up to us too, as to say like, no, that's not, we're holding ourselves accountable too of, well, if this happens again, we have something on the books to say, well, where to go with it before right. there was no policy. Right. So you can't, so I'm going to be careful again, but you cannot blame someone for doing something if there's nothing on the books telling them that they can't do it. Right. So it might be morally wrong. I have, but a, I have a feeling though, Ryan, that if he sent out a letter, an email to the students saying, come to the Trump rally because we have to stop all the immigrants from coming across the border. We need to build a wall. I'm pretty sure he'd be fired the next day. I'm almost positive that he would be fired the next day, even though there's no policy because it's happening all over the country. I, 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 I can't speak on it, but I understand your side too. Mm -hmm. I do. Um, and that was one of the things I have brought up several times um, that if we're going to go down and again, I, again, right. I'm, I understand why the message was sent out. I understand there's a, it's a, it's a critical time in this country and, and, you know, social injustice is a big deal. And I am in support of that. Yeah, but we shouldn't be should, we shouldn't be teaching about it in our schools. I gotta ask. I gotta ask. Yeah, yeah. Joe from Forestown Lighting I'm, and Electric. I'm gonna be honest with you. Okay, so again, I'm, I'm not that I disagree with you, but what's the big deal? He sent an email out saying, "Hey, kids, get behind something here." I, again, like what's what's really the big deal that it brought it all the way that we have to change policy? Actually, it sounds like there was never even a policy. So. What, what made it no, different? The only thing we changed, and I'll post it up on Facebook later. Mm -hmm. All we're saying, we're not, we're not changing him delivering. No, changing what he. Again, I can't say this. What? Okay, we're not changing if a message is sent. Like if it's social injustice or anything political, mm -hmm. we're not saying that you can't send it mm -hmm. from what the policy says. It's saying you need to cc the same email to parents. Right. Okay. Okay. That's all it is. That's my mistake. That, right. And that's why I, I'm getting pushback on it. Right. And I and I don't understand. And I hope parents understand this. We're not changing the meaning of the message. We're changing how it was delivered. Right. You okay. as a parent, and this is when I get hyped up now, as a parent has a right, <laughs> like has a right to know what your kids are doing outside of school. Right. And they shouldn't be receiving, again... You're not, you shouldn't need to worry about emails being sent to them 
without you t- knowing when what's it's coming. I, I understand. Right. Not only that, but I, it was something I hadn't thought about. One of our readers on Facebook said, you know, what if one of these teachers or administrators is a pervert and they're sending emails to these kids without the parents being CC'd and nobody knows what's really going on. No, no grown up should in a public school should be emailing a kid without the parent being CC'd on it. And I thought, well, that's like, you know, reason 5,421 why this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but there's also all the policies. So that's another thing why I'm, I'm fixing all the pol- looking through all the policies right now. There's another separate um, um, policy of misconduct. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, no, like kid, teachers do send emails to um, students, um, but that involves education, but it's on the same email and people can, I'm pretty sure the school can track these emails um, of how it's being sent. Uh, but there is a, there is a conduct policy that the administrators and staff have to change. Uh, have to follow. That's why it was so confusing for me when, when I was looking through the policies and I'm like, well, this is redundant. Some right. of this is redundant. This could be confusing for some people. It seems like every time the internet got bigger and bigger, they just kept changing the policy and writing a new one right? and never really getting rid of the old policies. So okay, Joe, I, life was so much simpler when I was in school. A note right. came home. It right. was a note <laughs> to mom and dad and I had to give the note. I'll tell My you. My dad said that. I, that's so funny. My dad used to say, he goes, we got a phone call. Yeah. Like, by the t- if we were in trouble, there was no email sent out. It was a phone call home, and you prayed to God that you got home before your mom picked up the phone. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. So, so, that, so that, that, to me, and again, I, and that's why I feel bad for certain administrators and teachers throughout, like, because some of them are trying to do good. Right. They are doing good. Most of them are. They're trying to um, to get people involved in the time in, in this country where people need to be involved in politics. Right. I do agree with that. The problem with our, and I'm going to say this, the problem with our society, especially the younger generation, is they're not involved in politics. And they should be getting in politics early because their lives are being more infected now than ever so they should stand up and, and hear their voice, but they also should learn both sides of the uh, sides of the aisles. I like they that. They should learn. That. I, have a, I, I have a quick question for you, and then we've got to go because we've got another guest skyping in. Um, yeah. I asked the mayor yesterday. He had the superintendent on, whom, by the way, I actually do like. I don't know why she's afraid of me, but I do like her. I think she's doing a good job uh, so far. Uh, but I asked a question that was not answered because I think they misunderstood the question. My question was, how did you assess student achievement from March until June? And they answered what they're going to do to uh, to measure student achievement next March through June. And that's not what I was asking. I was asking this past March when everything got shut down from March to June was still school, supposed to be school time. And I wanted to know... How did you measure student achievement? And by the way, what was the measure? Did kids were were, were did kids do well? Did they not do well? Did one third of the kids not bother skyping in when they were supposed to? And I didn't really get an answer to that. Yeah, I, I from my knowledge, there there was no assessment. Well, could you find out officially for me? Because I'd like to write. Yeah, a I, I can that. find out. Yeah. Um, I, I can ask Jana. Um, she, she seems to write down better notes than I, I do. I love her. Um, but yeah, from but from Havel, I don't I don't know how they like from me working in education. 
I don't know how if someone was to ask me how do I assess achievement is because, yeah, there were some kids that never Skyped in. Some kids, you know, went off the grid. So I think they're going to determine it. Now, again, don't quote me on it. I don't I don't know. I'm just assuming. Um, again, I. Yeah, that's I. For my knowledge, I I never received data on that. All right, all three thousand people listening, don't quote him on that. Yeah, just please don't sure. because <laughs> I don't want to be. I'm already getting bashed enough. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're doing you 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 and Jana are doing a great job. Um, Luann, I think, is doing a phenomenal job on the school committee. I love Luann. I I think she yeah. she's going to become she's going to be a, a shining star in another year or two. Yeah. Um, She's an amazing person. And and the thing about her, and 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 this is why I love her. She's like a big sister to me, Um, and she tries to keep me in line when I start getting mad. (laughs) So, um, and she, um, she, she, she's a parent, and she doesn't look at it as a political statement. She looks at it as a parent's perspective. So when I talk to her, it's like talking to another parent. It's not talking to as a, a a a co committee member i i, I mm-hmm. literally listen to her as a mom and she cares about her kids more than anything and if she's listening right now she is she's, she's <laughs> probably tearing up right now um but that's what it is she's she's every vote she does is very emotional to her because she looks at it as is this right for my kids and right. that's that's the great thing i think about our school committee you don't just have people that are educators, you also have parents on there. Right. And I think that's the one thing school committee lacked for a long time. You had a few parents on, but it was a majority of people that have been in the system for so long and they had their one aspect of how school committee should be functioning. And I think what's great about our school committee, although we disagree on things, we have a different perspective and we're continuously looking at, at how can we improve. All right. Joe, any um, final thoughts before we let uh, Ryan go? Ryan, great to see you again. Stay well, yeah, stay safe. I know school's starting up soon. So, uh, yep. you know, keep plugging away. And Brian, Ryan, if you need any electrical work, make sure you call Joe over at Four Star Lighting and Electric. There you go. And Electric. Absolutely, Joe. <laughs> Good to I, see you. I, I might have a few projects for you or people. All right. Thank you. Good to no see you. No problem. You guys have a good day. You too. All right. Thanks. Thank you. We're going to be um, connecting, believe it or not, we're three years into the show now. We're going to be connecting with WCAP. We have uh, one of the um, one of the talk show hosts wanted to interview me, and so we'll, we'll also have her talk to Joe. Uh, about the conventions that went on, the Republican convention this week, the Democrat convention last week. Um, so we're going to pull her up. And while we're trying to do that, I want to bring up another topic because it's all over the news, and that's what's happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Amazing to me that the media and the Democrat Party are all in 100% encouraging violence across this country over an issue where the second we watch that video, this is very different than the George Floyd thing. The minute I saw that video, I said, that's a textbook good shoot. It's a textbook good shoot. The video that we saw is, is very similar to the videos they show police officers at the police academy as to what a good shoot is. This guy uh, was a child abuser. There was a restraining order against him. He was at his girlfriend's house where he was not supposed to be because of the restraining order. The cops showed up. He attacked the cops. 
He said he had a knife in his car. He said he was going to get the knife in his car. And then when he, then when he got to his car, one of the officers shot him six times or seven times in the back. And I keep hearing, being shot in the back makes it a bad shoot. No, it doesn't. Um, why did they have to shoot him seven times? Well, it obviously, they should have shot him more because he lived. They shot him seven times. The guy's still alive. I watched a guy in Lawrence take four bullets one day and still reached for a gun. And I have people say, why can't they shoot him in the leg? Why can't they shoot him in the arm? We had the police chiefs here a few weeks ago, and they explained why they can't. Because you shoot someone in the leg, they can still grab a gun and shoot you. You, if you, if you shoot, you shoot to kill. You have to shoot to kill. If you're going to pull your gun, it's because your life or someone else's life is in danger, and you have to neutralize that suspect, and you can't neutralize them by shooting them in the arm or the leg. Are they on? Or? All right, so we'll keep going. Hello? Uh, oh, hello? Yes, hello? Hi. Called? Yes, this is Tom. Wait, yes, this is Tom. Okay. You, you're you going to be on the show today, right? Yes. All right, I'll put you on. All right, very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> I could have I been anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm on the show today, sure. Things going on around us and say, oh, man, this, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. But rather, you know, what am I doing and how can I contribute to the solution? And all of a sudden, you see the world shifts around you to um, as you begin to proactively pursue this woman? Is she? what you what you need to what you need to do. So I'm glad that you were able to join us on on the line today. You're gonna find out. <laughs> and we have uh, Tom Duggan, who's joining us, uh, the publisher of the the local the Patriot. Patriot, the Valley Patriot. We're doing a simultaneous broadcast. Crossing, crossing over today, and I'm hoping that we can, can we, we can hear each other here in the last few minutes of the program. Nine eighty WCAP Lowell. Apparently, the owner didn't like that idea. <laughs> and Salem, New Hampshire, serving the Merrimack Valley. Flash flooding, power out. I'm Christopher Cruz. Yeah, I think we're uh, we on hold. I, I I don't know. I don't know what happened. I can still see her talking, but I can't hear her talking. <laughs> I think they pulled the plug. On Did that. they really? Yeah, they just hung up and her. apparently she didn't have the owner's permission. I kind of had a feeling when she said CAP. I'm like. I don't know how that's going to work because my relationship with CAP is not that great. <laughs> Didn't you work? Now she's frozen. <laughs> okay. So you know what it is? It's 3 o'clock and they had a hard break and we were late because we were late coming in. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> is she there? All right. Well, let's go back to, I don't know, maybe Ben can bring her back. If not, then we'll just do what we, do what we can do. So I'm watching uh, all the riots that are going on, and how stupid is this? The, the, it was a good shoot, and it turns out the news this morning was that the guy actually did have a knife in his car, so he was reaching for a weapon. Very different. Whenever, when, when people go come on my Facebook page and they start conf- conflating what happened with George Floyd and what happened with, uh, with uh, this Blake guy that was shot, uh, they try to merge these, all these things with, with uh, the girl that got killed and what went on in Los Angeles. They're all very different cases. It has nothing to do with race. They didn't shoot this guy because he was black. They didn't hunt him down because he was black. But that's what we're hearing on CNN every day. 
And because of this, now the NBA has decided, I guess, a bunch of teams that they're not going to play. They're going to take it out on their fans after COVID. They're going to take it out on their fans because they want to get attention to pretend that they care about what's going on in the, in the, in, in the community out there and, like, as if they're oppressed. I heard a couple of black players say, oh, we're oppressed because we're black. You're a multi-gazillionaire who has a limo driver bring you everywhere you go. You are not oppressed. And by the way, only in the United States of America can a black guy make that kind of money. You go anywhere else in the world and you show me a black guy that's making that kind of money. America is the least racist place in the world. Joe, do you have any thoughts on this? Because it's making me crazy. I just get upset because I feel like everybody's so quick to rush to judgment. Right. Um, in this country, we have due process, okay? And, and I just feel like everybody forms an opinion before they hear the whole story. And that's a very slippery slope. But I feel like the more that these incidents happen, we move right to that, whatever it is. Right. And one of the things I heard today, you know, he's a convicted felon. He did this, he did that. Listen, that doesn't, that's regardless of that, it doesn't mean you have the right to shoot him. You know, was he complying? You know, I haven't seen the whole video because I heard there's some snippets that you don't see or that they, they didn't air. And I don't know if they didn't air them for a reason or not. But I just feel like everybody's so quick to rush to judgment. And yesterday with the NBA, when they decided to, I, I wish that they do more meaningful things. I, I just feel like my first question is, what's going to happen overnight? Nothing can happen overnight. My second question is, if you feel that strongly about it, put your money where your mouth is. Let's do something. Take some of your money that's guaranteed. Okay. And we talked about it earlier. Put it towards, you know, social programs or, or, or right. um, education programs. Yeah. How about starting an education program for young black men to teach them how to deal with the police? Because the, the real problem is, you know, people come on my page all the time and there's this girl, Carla, who disagrees with me on a bunch of stuff. And that's great because I, I love talking to people who don't agree, you know, and, and they say, well, you know, wh why, why is it, why is it when it's a white guy, they don't have the problems that they, they, they don't shoot the white guy. For example, somebody used that guy in um, the, the white uh, vigilante that had the gun that shot people the other night uh, in Kenosha. And they said, well, how come they took him into custody without shooting him, but not the other guy? Well, the difference is the black guy resisted and the white guy didn't. That's the, it's not because of the color of their skin. It's because when the white guy shot those kids and the cruisers come, it's even on video, he put his hands up and he surrendered. And... The guy that got shot was not putting his hands up and surrendering. The guy that got shot was reaching into his car for a knife. And they found the knife afterwards. So we know that it's, that it's real. We saw the video. Had he complied, he would have been arrested. And in the age of COVID, he would have been let out without bail. And he wouldn't be in jail right now. He'd be sleeping at home. But what is it? You say that it doesn't really matter if, if, if the guy was a violent guy. I think sometimes it does because the cops know this guy's background when they arrive at the scene. So they know that he's prone to violence. He's got violence on his record. He's got a restraining order against the girl. And then he attacks the cops when they get there, and he refuses to comply. Now, very different than George Floyd, very different than some of the other cases. You can't merge them. They're all individual cases that you have to look at one at a time. And, you know, then I put on CNN, and they're making the vigilante guy that shot those two people the bad guy. Well, is he a bad guy? I'm not too sure. Maybe he is. But what do you expect when there's rioting and the police will not respond? In this country, and we've been saying it since the beginning, we've been saying this since long before George Floyd, if the police are told to stand down and these people are going to continue to riot and commit violence and burn down places, eventually 
good God-fearing Americans who are tired of this shit are going to take up arms and they're going to defend themselves and their property or other people and their property. And that's what happened. If the police had put a stop to this nonsense the first second that it happened and they cracked down on these guys, that guy with the rifle wouldn't have been there and he wouldn't have been shooting. And from what I saw, and just my opinion, from what I saw, he shot them in self-defense. He was being attacked. Mm -hmm. Now, again, maybe he broke some law. Maybe he wasn't supposed to have a gun because he was 17. Maybe it wasn't a registered gun. All that stuff will be worked out in court. But as far as the actual shooting, he didn't shoot till after he was under attack from what we saw. Mm -hmm. So why is it so bad when you said the other day, when you said earlier, why can't Democrats give Republicans credit when they're right and vice versa? Why can't the black community give cops the credit when they're right? Why can't they say, you know what, we, we think in George Floyd it was wrong, but in this case, that kid got, that kid got what he deserved. I just think, I, I think that they're afraid to do that because there's such division between the two of them. They just, they can't do that. I mean, I can admit when I'm wrong or I can admit when, you know, something I don't agree with, but hey, that was a great idea. Why can't they do that? Right. And that's probably the, the most sickening thing that I, that I see in this country It doesn't right cost now. anything, Joe. It you, doesn't. You do it and you say, look, I was, we were wrong about yeah. this guy and this guy was a scumbag and he doesn't represent the rest of the black community. Mm-hmm. I think they would have a lot more gravitas with the rest of the country of every race if they called it out that way. Call balls and strikes. Well, take a look at what, what Blake's mother said. I mean, she basically came out and said that oh, the rioting, the burning, this, all that, that doesn't represent my son. Right. And, and I, I almost, I give her some credit for at least coming out and saying, that's not the right thing to be doing about this. Right. Again, it all goes back to what can we do now? Don't keep protesting, burning buildings, doing this, doing that. That does nothing to get something done. It just doesn't. It, it, it makes people upset. It gets people on edge. People become enraged. They're like, well, look what they're doing. And the worst part is, you know, they're burning down buildings, businesses, and, and, and hurting people that had nothing to do with anything. Right. And, and again- And I, sometimes black business owners, if correct. Black Lives Matter, what's that all about? No. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it seems to me, and I said at that police rally a couple of weeks ago, Black Lives Matter, the movement doesn't give two shits about black lives. Because if they did, they wouldn't be behaving the way they're behaving. And I tried to beat this into Neil Perry one day because he's, he doesn't watch cable news and he doesn't follow this stuff. So he doesn't get it. But I tried to explain to him, you know, Black Lives Matter, the statement, 100% agree with them. When I gave my speech at the, at the Wilmington Common two weeks ago at the Blue Lives Matter rally, I shocked everyone by starting out saying Black Lives Matter. Hmm. And everybody was like, wait, what? And I said, yeah, Black Lives Matter. But so do police lives. Police lives matter too. Mm-hmm. But the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't care about black lives. If they did, they wouldn't be burning down black businesses and they wouldn't be behaving the way that they're behaving. They'd be doing something to improve the lives of black people. And I think there's a lot of people of goodwill who just don't understand that there's a huge difference between Black Lives Matter, the statement, and Black Lives Matter, the movement. Because Black Lives Matter, the movement, go to their website. They want to destroy the nuclear family. They want to defund the police. They want Marxism in this country. And most of all, the worst thing of all, they want to do away with civil rights legislation. They want to punish people based on their race. That's what they want. They want to flip the equation of the 1960s, and they want black people to be on top and white people to be on the bottom. That's not Tom Duggan saying that. Go to their website, Black Lives Matter, and that's what they say. So given all that, why are we giving any credibility or credence to this Marxist organization? Why are we doing something, like you said, let these basketball players each pony up a million dollars and start programs in the inner cities to teach black kids how to interact with police officers in a way that doesn't end up with them going 
to the hospital or going to a morgue. Correct. I agree 100%. You know? I think that'd be a great idea. That'd be a great step if, if someone in the AMBA, I, I think it was Jalen Brown had some positive things to say. And basically, where do we go from here? We, let's do something. Let's, let's have some action. And again, right. you know as well as I do, nothing's going to happen overnight. Again, I, I believe that them doing what they're doing, I think it hurts their brand a little bit, but it punishes, punishes a lot of people. And right. I, again, I don't very much agree with it. I just don't. Right. And this whole myth of systemic racism in, in, in law enforcement, it's just a myth. You know, they say, oh, look at all the people, look at all the unarmed black men that have been killed by cops. Well, last year, you know how many unarmed black men were killed by cops? Unarmed black men. Anybody want to guess at home? You in the yellow car? No? Um, how about eight? There were eight unarmed black men that were killed by police officers. And by the way, being unarmed does not mean it's a bad shoot. So of those eight, I'm sure that there's at least one or two of them where the guy was trying to strangle his girlfriend or there was something else going on where he might not have been armed, but he was putting people's lives at risk and the police officer had to shoot him. But let's give them the whole eight. Let's give them all eight. There's 350 million people in the United States of America, and I think it's pretty damn good that you can only find eight unarmed black men who were shot and killed by police in, in an entire year. I think, I, I think that's a phenomenal number. Now, one is too many. One, is too, one life is, is it's, it's too many. But when you look at the risk assessment and you look at whether it's systemic racism, it's not systemic racism. You want to know where the systemic racism is? It's in our school system. It's school systems, especially all black schools in the inner cities where they dumb down these kids. They don't teach them proper English. They don't teach them how to, uh, how to read a clock. They can't balance a checkbook. They don't know anything about the Constitution. They don't know anything about the First or Second Amendment. But they all know that Whitey's racist. They all know that the cops are evil. They get taught this liberal ideology in our schools that keeps them down. And the worst thing of all, these kids get, these young black kids in the inner city get social promotions, whether they have done the work and understand the material or they don't. So they graduate without the skills to go out and get a real job. And so then what? Then they resort to selling drugs or doing something illegal in order to provide for their family. Now, I don't, I don't blame them. I blame the systemic racism in our schools, but no one wants to talk about that. They want to blame the cops. Every time there's a police shooting, they want to blame the cops as if police officers are out there gunning down young black men just for fun. You know how you know that that's bullshit? You know how you know that's a lie? Because the same politicians and the same people on CNN and in the media who tell you that story are the same people who say, you don't need a gun. If you're in trouble, call the police. So what does that say to young black men? It says to young black men that the cops are out to gun you down, and by the way, turn in your gun so you can't defend yourself when that happens. Nothing the Democrat Party on the left says comports with anything else that they say. It's like a cafeteria. Uh, uh, it's like a cafeteria of, of different views, that none of which comport with the other. They're all contradictory. They say, you don't need a gun. If something happens, call the cops. Well, why would I call the cops if they're all a bunch of jackbooted thugs that are gunning down black guys for fun? I, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. And shame on Joe Biden. He came out yesterday, finally, finally, and said the violence has to stop. But he only said it because, as Don Lemon on CNN said last night, <laughs> right before he said it, that Joe Biden has to address this because it's showing up in focus groups for the election and it's hurting his chances to become president. That's the only reason why he said anything. He, they went four days of the Democrat convention without once mentioning the violence in our streets 
without mentioning black violence against police officers, without mentioning any of it. It was all racism, 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 and the cops are bad. And I think when you, when you feed people a steady diet of something that's not true, and then they go out into the real world and see what is true, you've lost them. I agree with you 100%. I mean, I, I feel like, you waving at me? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's friendly. <laughs> ben. Every time you make a point, I make it my point to wave at you. Oh, okay. okay. Hey, you're okay. doing a good job hey. over there. No, I, 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 look at, I look at their narrative, and, and one of the things that I think is disturbing to me is that I feel like they believe that the rioting, the looting, and all that stuff would help their cause or help their narrative. I agree. And I think what's happened now is that people are kind of waking up to it saying, well, hey, you know what? Is is this what's to come if he wins the presidency? Right. Is, is, this, what, is this the road that we're going down? Right. Um, I, I have a hard time because I, I have to be honest with you. I don't really... I don't know what systemic racism is. I, I really, really don't. I, I don't. Is there racism? Absolutely. Are there some bad cops? Yeah. I, I, I say this. You know what? Put yourself in the position of that policeman that leaves his house every night. I know we all hear this. Well, you know what? They don't know if they're coming home. And that's true. But think of the stress that they're under two years ago. Now look at where they're at now. Mm-hmm. Do you think anybody wants to be a policeman right now? It's tough. I, I wouldn't want to be a policeman. No. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, you, you would... And this is the part that's dangerous to me is I feel like a lot of them are second guessing their decisions when they do roll up to a volatile situation, whereas they can't second guess their decisions. They need to be on point so someone doesn't get killed or they don't get killed. Right. I, right. I, I, I do. I, I fear that, that it's going to change the way we police. And I'm not saying that it doesn't have to change with regards to racism, but I think that there is the faction that is so small that are bad cops that mm. are out to do racist things. I re- that's my belief. I could be wrong. Nobody hates a bad cop more than good cops. Good cops. And I'll tell you, I talk to cops all the time because I know a ton of them, and a lot of them are my friends. And they'll, and they'll say, listen, we don't want a bad... We had this guy, uh, Bill Green, on the Lawrence Police Department. Most of the cops I talked to said they were petrified to call for backup when he was on. Really? Because, because the guy was a bad cop. And they know that it puts their life at risk more if there's a guy on their shift that's a bad, bad. cop. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You know, who, you, you know why Bill Green is no longer a, a Lawrence cop? a corrupt Lawrence cop, because other cops turned him in. Mm-hmm. Other cops went to uh, internal affairs. Other cops testified against him at MCAD. Um, Kevin Sledge was another Lawrence cop. He, he raped someone in the back of his cruiser. He was turned in by other cops. He was arrested by other cops. And when they went to trial, those cops assisted in the prosecution of their fellow officers. So this myth of a thin blue line that these cops all stick together even when they're doing bad things is just a myth. It's a lie. And anybody that knows cops and understands policing and has been around it knows that that's a lie. Mm -hmm. Because we've had six cops in Lawrence just in the last 10 or 15 years that have been thrown off the force, some of them prosecuted, because other cops turned them in. Mm -hmm. And you never hear that. You never hear that on CNN. They make it sound as though the only cops that get in trouble are the ones that are videotaped at the scene and and it makes the news. That's just not the case. It's just not the case. I mean, I remember the Kevin Sludge thing. And, you know, he was was investigated by his own guy. The other thing, too, the one thing I think that the other side is right about is that, like in Lawrence, if a cop does something wrong, he's investigated by other Lawrence cops. Mm -hmm. There are Lawrence cops that are internal affairs guys. And I don't think that should be allowed. I don't think cops in your own department should be investigating cops in your own department because... 
it just it leads to corruption. Well, I yeah. think somebody outside should yeah. always come in and investigate a police. There's a bias. There right. might be a bias there. Right. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Yeah. But again, like you said, I, I, and I think the majority of policemen, I, 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 I can't even put a fraction to it. I, I honestly, I, I'd say it's less than 1% that's, right. that are bad cops. Yeah. I, I mean, again, but something happens and it paints the whole organization. I mean, you know, you see a group of friends that you're friends with and, and uh, you know, one of them is a, is a bad apple. Does that mean the rest of them are bad apples? Right. You and, know? and, you know, Joe, we're constantly told that labeling and stereotyping black people is wrong. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. And that labeling and stereotyping gay people is wrong. But then one cop shoots one guy and it's all the cops are bad. I don't understand. The same people that are preaching that label and stereotyping is wrong are the first people to jump to labeling and stereotyping somebody when it doesn't you know fit why? their group. You know why? Because it's easy. Right. It's easy. Yep. It's just the intellectually lazy way to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I, I, I appreciate that there are people who come on my page and disagree with me on this and have mature adult civil discussions about it while we disagree. There's a lot of people that come on and they just say you're a racist and they call names and then they start threatening and I have to block them. But the majority of the people that disagree on my Facebook page, uh, and my Facebook page is open to the public, anybody can disagree as long as it's civil. Um, a lot of people are shocked when, you know, three hours into a back and forth where we disagree but we're doing it civilly, they're like, well, I thought you were a racist. I thought you just hated, you know, you did disagree with me because I'm black or I'm Latino or whatever. Um, we, we have to be able to talk to each other. Otherwise, none of this ever gets solved. Ever. I agree. That's the problem. I think that, that, that there's no, there's no civil conversations anymore. It, it right. just doesn't happen. And, and you know what? If it's happening between you and me or you and somebody else, it's happening at the higher levels. And, sure. and that's, you know what, as an American citizen, it's disgusting to me. It right. really is. And, and again, here we are smack dab in the middle of an, an election season. And I, you know what, what's the topic? It's all negative stuff. Right. It's all negative stuff. Right. So we'll see what happens. I, I mean, I, I listen, I'm all for reform. I'm all for, you know, let's give these officers the, the, the tools that they need to perform in a certain way. Uh, but I, I, one thing that I think is probably one of the dumbest things ever is, is let's defund the, the police. Right. I think that's one of the stupidest things. That- and they keep saying we need police reform. I don't know what that means. I, I actually think we need inner city reform. I think we need, we need to start teaching young black kids how to interact with police. I, I mean, I, I, the, the, the biggest problem that I see in the black community is that there are no fathers. And I blame the government for that. No, I don't blame black people for that. Because if a young woman gets pregnant and has a kid, she gets welfare. And if the father doesn't move in, she gets more money. And then if she has another kid from another guy who doesn't move in and take care of them, she gets more money from welfare. And the government is paying young minorities in the inner cities to not have fathers at home. And so when you don't have a father at home to kick you in the ass and make you respect authority growing up, you're going to be the kid that's saying to a cop, no, F you, you pig, when they say license and registration and they pull you over. And, you know, it's funny when I say that, I get accused of being a racist. And then I go on YouTube and I see Chris Rock Mm -hmm. did a whole thing on how not to get your ass beat by the police. And he said exactly the same thing that I said, but no one's calling him a racist. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. I'm going to ask you a question. If you're a, a young black man, and every time that you get stopped by the police, you've had a negative experience, mm-hmm. okay? Are you more apt to act in a negative way? Sure. Because you're so conditioned to be... And so I, I can see that side of it. I really, really can. And, you know, everyone says, just comply, just comply. But I can also see that if every time, for example, some, you know, your father puts you down every day, he sees you, every day, he sees you, every day, he sees you, and you show him a paper, and you did a great job, and you're expecting 
right. You suck. Or, or you right. know what? You're terrible. And, and he gives you a compliment. So I feel like a lot of young black men, I feel like they're conditioned to feel like, you know what? This is going to be a negative experience for me. Right. So why am I going to comply? I'm not saying they all do that. But my point is, is I can see how they would feel on edge and be less compliant because sure. they're so used to being treated poorly. Right. Again, and, and if you have a racial inferiority complex, if you think you've got two strikes against you no matter what, then you're going to end up maybe getting a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whereas if you could, I know a lot of black people who have no problem with the cops. They're not afraid of the cops. When they get pulled over by cops, they say they've never had a problem. And the latest survey that just came out showed that the majority of black Americans want more funding for police, not less, which is not what you're hearing on CNN. And that's not what you're seeing on MSNBC. And I, I blame the media for a lot of it. They stoke this violence. They stoke it because it helps them make money. And, you know, blood sells. And, and they need to be held responsible. You know, after Michael Brown in Ferguson, CNN went with the narrative that he had his hands up and he was saying, don't shoot when he was shot. And even Obama's Justice Department, after they did their investigation, said that was not true. Mm -hmm. And even after Obama's Justice Department debunked that myth... The CNN anchors were all on, they had a picture of the CNN anchors with their hands up and a sign that says, don't shoot, even after it turned out not to be true, because it didn't fit with their narrative, and they wanted, to, they wanted political capital on it, and it was just disgusting. It was disgraceful to that officer who had to shoot Michael Brown because he feared for his life, and that officer's family. I come from a family of cops. You have no idea what it does to the family when something like that happens. Nobody wants to think about that. It's just blame the cops. If it's a white cop versus a black guy, the white cop's always wrong and the black guy's always right. And sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's not. I, I, I will say this. That you, you made a point about, you know, it's all about the money, and, and but I, negative news sells. I, I, mm -hmm. I feel like that's, you know, I think it was Obama that said it, or it might have been um, his, uh, was it Eric Holder there? Never let a good tragedy go to waste. Right. Um, and, and it's disgusting to hear something like that, but I just feel like, that's what happens. And right. the media, I, and listen, both sides of the media, I have to say, they're both guilty of it because that negativity just draws people in. You know, the negativity of the past six months with coronavirus, you know, everybody's glued to the TV. Oh, more bad news, more bad news, bad news sells. Right. I, and then, again. And it's sad that it's that way, but I think it's just a human condition. If I come on this show and I mention... Um, uh, I actually made a comment about this a few weeks ago. If I mentioned DJ Beauregard did a great job at the city council meeting, I never get a phone call from DJ Beauregard saying, hey, I heard you said good things about me. Hmm. But the day that I said DJ Beauregard's out of control, he got 15 phone calls, mm -hmm. and I get a phone call, hey, what are you talking about me on your show? What did you say? So it's a human condition, it's, and I just use that as one example. It's a human condition to respond negatively and to gravitate toward the negative. And I think we need to be conscious of that or we're never going to stop it. We're never going to head that off unless we're conscious of it. And, you know, there's, there are, there, I want to make this point for those who are watching who don't agree with me on stuff. There are black people who have been treated badly by cops who are racist. That is true. It happens. It doesn't happen as, as much as the media says that it happens. It doesn't happen as, 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 it's not systemic, but it does happen. And when that happens... Our side has every obligation to call that officer out for being a racist bastard. I agree. And our side has every obligation to call for that guy to either get the death penalty or get life in prison. It would just be nice on the other side if that happened, too. We've got to start talking to each other, because if we don't, this is going to get worse and worse, and you're going to have a real race war on your hands. And I don't see this country surviving a race war. I don't. Uh, it's just, it's, 
it's it's gotten so volatile at this point that unless we start talking to each other and we start trying to find a way to fix these problems and fix the misconceptions on both sides, mm-hmm. we're going to continue to see violence in our inner cities. We're going to continue to see blacks um, being poor and living in um, public housing generation after generation after generation with no hope of getting out, with no hope of getting jobs, with no hopes of educating themselves. And that's, that's what's sad. What's sad is that we keep distracting and calling policing systemic racism and ignoring the real systemic racism, which is our school system. We'll see what happens. You're with me on that. See, I, listen, I, I, listen, I'm going to no, 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 tell you this. All right. So I, 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 I will say this, that, uh, you know, you believe that it, it, that it, it starts in the schools and I, I, I don't know enough about it. I'm going to do some research for the next time that I come back on because I don't, I don't know enough on it. Um, but I, I want to have something about it. I need to, I disagree with you. Like some of the things you say, I definitely disagree with, but I'd worry about you if you agreed with me all the time. No, but I like, I like, do I think that, you know, racism is indoctrinated in, in, in the school system? I, I don't. And I don't have any proof on that for me to say, yeah, hey, that's, that's how it goes. Um, let me do some research on that. But I really, I listen, I'm going to tell you something. I, you know, I take a look at where we are today. I think we're way better than we were 20 years ago. Absolutely. I think we're markedly better than we were 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we're moving in the right direction. You know, our history, people say, oh, you know, your history, this, you know, it was bad, bad stuff, bad things, you know. Yeah, but we learn from those mistakes. So we like to think that we move, learn from those mistakes and we move in a positive direction. And people that want to erase history and, and, and get rid of it, listen, you don't know where you're going unless you know where you came from. I know that's such a cliche, but it's so true. I mean, you know what? When I was 20 years old, I made some dumb choices. I remember those choices and you know what? I wouldn't do them again. Right. So that's the same thing with history that we're living now. Sure. And and again, I, I like to think that we, as technology and everything else advances, we've advanced as a people. I really do. I I, I think taking a 30,000 foot view as you just did Mm -hmm. is is the best way for people to maybe analyze some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. We as human beings, as a species, we're like in our teen years on this planet, right? Just remember like 100 years ago, 60 years ago, not everybody had plumbing. Not everybody had electricity. Not everybody had a phone. When I was growing up, my grandmother had a phone that had five digits. It was, I, remember, I still remember what it was. It was 20321. And, and we didn't have the 68. We didn't have the 978. We didn't have the technology. We weren't as advanced. And as human beings, we're still learning. Correct. You know, um, and I'm going to leave you guys with this, with this, uh, this last thing before we go. Um, I have a fish tank in my office. Mm-hmm. And I have a bunch of guppies and I have a bunch of other things. I get some chitchlids. And I had one angelfish. Seemed very lonely for a long time. <laughs> so we went out and we got, a, we got another angelfish. Mm-hmm. And the minute we put the second angelfish in, the two angelfish went together in the corner and started like looking at each other and chasing each other around. And they were all excited that there was another angelfish. And I thought, you know, we all just want to be with our own kind. Mm-hmm. If, if you look at the neighborhoods like in Lawrence, Spanish immigrants, uh, people who speak Spanish, Dominican, Puerto Rican, came to the United States. They didn't move into all white neighborhoods. They moved into neighborhoods where there are people who are like them. Like them. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted to feel comfortable. And I think that's, that's just ingrained into who we are as as humans, we have to be conscious of that and try and bring ourselves out of that and get out of our comfort zone and, and interact with people who are different, whether it's different intellectually, different opinions, different race, different religion, 
And I think that benefits all of us. I do. And that's why I come here because you're so much smarter than me. And oh, I, I just try to absorb. I try to absorb. You know what I mean? Flurry will get you everywhere. <laughs> Flurry will get you everywhere on this show. All right. Oh, man. Well, there's Melvin Taylor. So we're going to talk about our advertisers. And we, of course, you, you would think that I would have it up by now because, you know, uh, we, we want to thank, um, I'll try and do it by memory. We, well, we want to thank Climate Design Systems. Buddy Thomas is going to be here next week with the mayor. Uh, of course, Four Star Lighting and Electric. There you go. Joe Saverio <laughs> is here with us today. Borelli's Deli. Yes. God bless Borelli's oh. Deli, the best meats in the Merrimack Valley. Great uh, We also want to thank, uh, who else do we have? AFC Urgent Care. I uh, also want to thank Lisa Williams for donating $2,000 for our scholarships this year. She was amazing. Um, who else do we have? Karen Ferullo at uh, Horizon Home Care. Oh, love She's Karen. not officially with us back yet, but we want to throw her a free plug. Uh, who else do we have? I know somebody else is paying to be on, and I just can't remember. Uh, that's all right. We'll, it, it'll rotate. I'm sure it rotated through the whole thing. Next week, Maya Perry and uh, Buddy Thomas from... from, uh, from Climate Design Systems. And tonight, pay attention to my Facebook page. We're going to be interviewing Joe Kennedy, candidate for United States Senate. And that's going to be interesting. I'm actually voting for him. And we'll talk about why tonight. and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.